If you're studying for the CISSP, CCSP, or CISM certification, you'll probably get a lot of benefit from the WANA Practice app at wanapractice.com. Hundreds of practice questions unavailable anywhere else, all in a simple interactive format, which you can access through any device with a browser. Check out the show notes for a discount code for half off the regular price. Wanna practice? Success and certification is in your hands. Hello, and welcome to another episode of sensuous sounds of infosec where we discuss all things information all things security and all things information security i'm ben maliso and i'm matt snotty and i'm rafael fiedler and this week's episode is brought to us by wanna practice as of today wanna practice is in the google play store for android users so go out there install that app, well download then install that app and have all of the practice questions and the answers and the explanations at the touch of your fingers get ready to pass that cert exam wow super cool, cool. and and ben how much is the wanna practice app the the app itself is free to oh, download now okay now if you want access to the questions <laughs> you're gonna have to subscribe um uh for the for those of you who are interested uh there are discount codes available they're scattered all over linkedin and reddit uh, but if you go to the wannabecissp.com website uh each of the discount codes is listed for each of the certifications there as well go ahead and make use of those uh, full price is still very economical. It's $30 for 60 days of access uh, on a rolling subscription rate. So um, go ahead, jump in. There's hundreds of practice questions for every cert, and I'm adding new ones every week. So um, by the end of the year, we should be up over 2,000 practice questions. I'm very, very pleased. Wow, so 50 cents a day? is all it is that I mean that's less than like you know that's way less than a starbucks that's less than the coffee i'm making my own, my own coffee machine i don't know what else you can get for 50 cents a day i mean <laughs> i don't i don't even think you can get 49 cents for 50 cents a day i mean that's, <laughs> it's, that's it's, quite a deal it's pretty pretty inexpensive and um very good for helping you pass the exam getting a lot of good feedback on it a lot of success rate so and I believe that the uh, the show notes as well have a have a separate discount code um, just for our listeners. So yeah, we're, we're giving it away. What the hell? Why are we doing this? I don't know where this we is. This is all you. I, I, I don't know why. <laughs> it, it makes no sense. I'm giving away the store here. I shouldn't be giving no more discount codes. That's it. That <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and I, and I'll put a link to the app in the Play Store in the show notes as well. Cool. Uh, for those who want to get it. So uh, this is this is my big news. This is what I'm very excited about. Now, um, for things that may be of more interest to our three listeners, um, we also have some really exciting news about a follow-up from last week's episode. Um, for those of you who weren't here last week on The Sensuous Sounds of InfoSec, uh, someone attacked someone I know, uh, an older person, uh, a business owner, with an email problem if you haven't listened to last week's episode you might want to check it out it's kind of intriguing um 
and we took the email provider to task for um, using a discontinuity of information to try to market and upsell some crappy security services. Uh, some way overpriced email security, much more expensive than the Wanna Practice app security <laughs> services. Um, after the show, after the show, uh, Matt wanted to talk with me about this particular situation, and he 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 was kind of like a dog with a bone, as as you want your oh, uh, security <laughs> provider to be. It, it's uh, kind of the way you want a forensic analyst to to perform. He he wanted to know how it happened. He wanted to know what the root cause was. So I put Matt in touch with the victim, and. Within one afternoon, Matt, Matt found the root cause, fixed it, and received payment in the form of bourbon. Um, <laughs> yeah. Matt, Matt, do you want to step us through uh, what it was you saw, what you learned, uh, what it is, and, and what other people might want to look for in terms of protecting their, their email services, especially when they don't have this, this knowledge at their fingertips and they're not really technically inclined? Sure, yeah. So, yeah, so Ben, you gave uh, the person uh, my contact information within a couple of hours. I had a text message from him, so I gave him a call, um, spoke to him on the phone. Um, and basically, it's kind of like going to the emergency room and talking to the nurse and then talking to the doctor and talking to the the, the intern and all this stuff. Uh, I made him re-explain everything to me because I didn't trust what you were saying. <laughs> very good ploy. I, 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 I highly recommend that course of action. Very, very good. <laughs> So if you recall from last week, uh, the, the big thing we were talking about was changing the email provider. And so I wanted to see, okay, what's the actual problem here? Because is it the email provider? You know, obviously the email provider was was trying, and in this case, I think we called him out, it was GoDaddy, yes. uh, was trying to upsell him. And, um, and, and I just want to say, that is still an issue, but that's not yeah. the, the issue with the email and the attack itself. Right. It's a separate issue, yeah. Right, right. So, um, yeah, which I wanted to kind of get into that part of it uh, in a little bit here. But, um, yeah, so talking to him on the phone, uh, obviously he, he trusted me um, for, for, for no other reason than Ben said, hey, trust him. <laughs> Transitive trust property. He trusts me. I trust you. He trusts you. Yep. The bad idea in most is this violates the zero trust concept. <laughs> right, but, right. Okay. But if you're going to find uh, answers to, to, to stuff, I, I needed some, some information. And he didn't, he's not, was not a technical person. And so I said, if you're comfortable with it, can you get me into your GoDaddy account? Because I need to see what, what I'm actually dealing with here. And so uh, he did that, and he did have all the, the security stuff turned on, the two-factor stuff. And I, uh, he, we, we got into the GoDaddy account, and I could see exactly what he, had, what he was paying for, what they had been upcharging him for or, or attempting to upcharge him for. Um, and then I said, can I get into your actual email account so I can see what's happening here? So the, the, the problem, the, I, I guess the, the symptom was that he was getting a lot of bounce-back emails for spam that he had not been sending. Um, and so... And and his emails weren't going through to his destination where he was right. to, to the recipients he wanted to send to. Right. As a result, a, a direct result of, of apparently sending a bunch of spam mails. Yeah. His, his account had been flagged. Um, and by virtue of the fact that it's hosted email at GoDaddy, uh, uh, office 365 was actually the, the backend email provider. So GoDaddy resells office 365. So he was actually already on office 365, albeit through the GoDaddy tenant <laughs> instead of just uh, straight up uh, office 365. But once I realized that I was like, okay, so we got something to work with here. Um, 
started going through, I actually got into his inbox, uh, got into his sent items, and I could see that there were no sent items that were these spam emails, but he had a bunch in his deleted items. And so I could see that he had been basically just, just you know, throwing all these undeliverable messages away um, that had been bounce backs, uh, but they weren't, they, they weren't showing up in his sent. So that was the first flag of, okay, something's going on here where somebody is uh, sending as this person, but they're, they, it was questionable whether they actually had any access to the email account. Cause it's a big concern if they had access to the email account, everything, uh, you know, you should be but they protective, but they weren't just spoofing his email address. Otherwise, uh, GoDaddy and Microsoft would not have flagged the account and, and prevented him from sending. Right. Right. So by default, you, um, Microsoft tries to prevent you from spoofing someone's email address. Uh, and, and in particular, uh, you know, there are things that are uh, the technical term there, there are things called SPF records, DKIM records, DMARC records, stuff like that that's in DNS to try to prevent all this kind of stuff. Since GoDaddy was reselling Microsoft, though, Microsoft hadn't turned on a, some of this stuff. Now, now, those particular things they were on um, and they were fine. But um, and our, and I just want to ask, because, you know, for my own edification, as well as the audience, those things are usually activated by default, right? Yeah. Your email provide when you subscribe to an online email provider, usually they have all those pr protections turned on so that someone cannot easily um, try to uh, pretend that they're you. Right, 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 right. Yeah, because the default setting should be that that no one should do that. And if you want to change that, and and people legitimately do sometimes uh, do that. For instance, if you have a mass mailer and you send out uh, marketing emails, you need a third party to be able to send as you. Then you make adjustments to that so that it can do the, all that kind of stuff. So, um, but but his had all been set up correctly, but. Um, uh, still was trying to figure out uh, was this a compromise or was this something else. Um, and, and and when you and I were talking about it, you know, we were going through like the, you know, aliens uh, from outer space <laughs> kind of, you know, did someone get into the victim's box itself? Right. Did right. they actually take over his, you know, we were thinking of the most outlandish ways this could have occurred because it's just a strange thing. Yeah. Being impersonated is easy. You know, cloning an email address is easy. How, what were they actually doing and how did they do it? Right. Yeah, yeah. So digging in through it. So Microsoft gives you a lot of great tools. Unfortunately, GoDaddy strips a bunch of those tools out. <laughs> and the then offers of to sell them back <laughs> right, to for much. an increased price. Yeah. <laughs> right. But we still, I, I still had access to uh, a, a large part of the email tools that Microsoft has available. And so I was able to do message traces and just actually see where messages were coming from, where they were going to and all that kind of stuff. And I realized in going through uh, all these logs, you know, Ben likes to call it, you know, autism, uh, autistic mentality of, you know, digging through logs. Quasi-autistic <laughs> engineering is how I like to refer to it. <laughs> but I could, I, I could see that these emails were coming from Europe um, and they weren't actually going through his mailbox. They were was relayed. Was it fucking Rafty? Yeah, it was Rafty. It was... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> It was the Austrians. Uh, no, actually, I uh, traced it down to uh, an area in the north of France on the border with Belgium. So I'm just calling them, them the Belgians for now. Um, Those waffle-eating chocolate-selling <laughs> bastards. Rafti, uh, is there any racism towards Belgium uh, from Austria these days? From Austria, not in particular. Okay. No, no, okay. no, 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 no. Okay. I don't think that's racism. I think that'd be chauvinism because it's nationalistic. You know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, we Austrians don't like the Germans, but that's mostly it. 
Oh, okay. Okay. It's just okay. the okay. <laughs> Mostly. Um, so anyways, in the process of digging through all this, it appeared that GoDaddy had basically lowered its defenses against some of this uh, um, relaying. So they were able to actually relay off of Microsoft's legitimate servers as this person's email address. So that was why none of these emails showed up in their sent because it wasn't actually being sent through his inbox, through his account. It, they were being relayed. So in other words, you, when you send an email, you can actually just bounce it off of someone else's email server. By default, you know, 20 years ago, everybody had an open relay server. And as we sit here in 2023, it's a really rare thing to have a, you know, be, have the ability to relay uh, an email off of it. But uh, somehow- I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I, I, I don't really understand relay. I, you know, I, I know the term from like relay chat, but, mm -hmm. but when, when you're talking about, you say you can bounce it off someone's email server. Mm -hmm. does, that mean, does that mean that the waffle leaders we're bouncing their email off of the Microsoft server that synthesizes the victim's email account to appear as if they were the victim? Or was it the victim outward, somehow that address got relayed on from there? The, the, the first one. So they okay. crafted an email, made it look like it was coming from the email address. They sent that email to Microsoft servers. Microsoft servers didn't do any authentication to check like they're supposed to do, whether this was actually being sent by the victim. And okay, they, they, so, they then, so, then, so then Microsoft relays mm -hmm. that outbound message right. looking as if it's coming from the victim. Exactly, so it has all of the hallmarks, all the telltale signs are that it came from the victim's email. And and what what protocol is being is this is not this is not um, SMTP this is yeah. not SMIME this mm -hmm. what 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 protocol and what ports are being used here do you do you know or? yeah yeah it was SMTP port twenty five okay. yeah okay. straight up SMTP and so there again Microsoft's supposed to do a bunch of authentication they'll they'll allow you to relay as long as you authenticate to their servers um, in this case it appeared that the relaying was happening without any authentication which is not so, supposed to happen. So the waffle leaders weren't even using pirated credentials that they had no. stolen from the victim. Correct. They were just sending emails and saying, "Hey, this belongs to this person," and exactly. and it was going out. Right, right. Which okay, was now now why isn't that turned off by default? Well, it is, <laughs> unless GoDaddy's reselling it. <laughs> Mother, you know, look. So that what you're saying, and th and this really pisses me off. At some point, somehow GoDaddy got this package from microsoft they buy this email provision package and they offer to sell it to customers then they remove certain restrictions and then when those res those restrictions uh, when the removal of those restrictions become vulnerabilities that get exploited now godaddy offers to turn those restrictions back on <laughs> for an right. exorbitant price right right and yeah and to be fair to to drill into the what godaddy was actually trying to upsell the victim on they're trying to upselling him upsell him on things like email backup and it, it wasn't just security stuff it was it was a whole account package <laughs> yeah ben's making gestures that are very rude to the camera right now but um yeah 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 the um so yeah, anyways, all that to say, digging through it all, um, victim hadn't had his credentials hacked, hadn't had his computer hacked, hadn't had his account compromised in any way. It was just uh, Microsoft was was receiving emails saying that they were him, and they were saying, okay, cool, good enough for us, and sending them on. 
So all the attacker was doing was exploiting a vulnerability that GoDaddy should have had on by default and a functionality that's built into the Microsoft email capability. Yeah, yeah. That's Now that's some weak tea right there. I mean, even <laughs> yeah. from an attacker standpoint, that's like script kitty level bullshit. It is, it's yeah. not even sophisticated. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, again, this is the type of stuff we saw 15, 20 years ago. 2023, That part of why this was so surprising was it didn't even enter my mind that it could just be simple relaying that was because uh, it's stone expert. age shit. it'd yeah. be like attacking an m1 abrams tank with a, a <laughs> flint tip spear right <laughs> right right yeah yeah the flint tip spear can find a purchase on the tank if you do it just the right way <laughs> but in right. general 99.99 percent of the time it's not there's there's a a, a three meter port um that <laughs> two photon torpedoes could get down yeah <laughs> on the death star yeah you know i used to ace womp rats like that in my uh speeder back home your um, 16 yep yeah yeah so I, i'm just i i have to ask when you saw that first of all did you giggle second of all was it just a matter of clicking one function button and turning off relay it was a little bit more than that. So, uh, no, I didn't giggle. I was glad to have found what I thought was the root cause, but no, I, it's very rare that I laugh <laughs> at something because obviously, you know, this, this poor victim has been dealing with, with the fallout of this. So I did, I did, I felt bad for it. Um, no, it wasn't a one click fix, but the, uh, I was able to, so a lot of the reasons that things like this are left on or left open even though their vulnerabilities is for compatibility. And so what I'm guessing, I don't know for sure, I'm guessing that GoDaddy has probably enabled this stuff for backward compatibility because their user base isn't necessarily the most tech savvy. And so- A lot of them are still using flint tip spears. <laughs> yeah, right. Much like AOL users, which one of the three of us still uses. <laughs> You'll notice I've never had any security problems with my <laughs> AOL account ever. You know why? Because even the script kiddies don't know it exists. Right. <laughs> you want to talk about archaic and obsolete? If, if you go to, they don't know what a telephone is. They have no yeah. idea how to use a landline. You know, they can't hack my fax machine. Oh, um, so it, basically it was turning, it, it was checking more than one box, but not very many of them, but basically disabling all of the uh, SMTP relay, the, the pop, the IMAP, all the old ways to get email, because I trusted that this person was only accessing his email through either his phone. Well, actually, I asked him outright, I said, how are you getting your email? And he had, uh, I think, two devices and, a, and a, uh, a computer devices and one phone. And I said, okay, as long as that's the only way you're getting your email, let's turn off all this legacy access stuff um, so that that closes all that down. And then in addition to that, the attackers, for lack of a better word, the um, the people who were doing this, who were causing the... Uh, the, uh, the The what? The waffle waffle leaders. leaders. Yeah, the Belgians. <laughs> Um, they were doing it all from a single IP address, which made it, mm. I, I was able to go back through a week's worth of these emails, 1500 emails roughly. Uh, and every single one of them came from the exact same email address. So I set up a, basically a black hole so that anything that came from that, that email or that IP address, uh, would just get flushed down the toilet without uh, any kind of reply. You, you know, and, and to just use one IP address for an attack. It shows a laziness or a, a lack of sophistication in the attack. I mean, these were really rudimentary attackers, yeah, right? Yeah, and having seen the emails that they sent out, it, it wasn't even like sophisticated phishing, UPS, your package has been delivered, click here. They were, 
just really stupid spam emails. Again, it was all hearkening back to, you know, early 2000s type stuff that we would see then. Um, nothing about it was, had, had malicious links in it and didn't have anything that was, I mean, it was obviously spam, excuse me, but um, it wasn't, uh, it was just plain HTML emails that they were sending out. And like, like I said, 1500 of them, like invitations to bid in an online auction or something like that. Nothing, <laughs> nothing at all remotely uh, that, that, that they could have used once they realized that they had this tool at their disposal. Did some Belgian teenagers find a book from the 1990s? <laughs> Very possible. How to get so. rich on the internet. I mean, it just that just seems really sad. Well, thank you, Matt. I can't I can't thank you enough. I want to tell all three of my listeners: go ahead if you have any email problems, email us, and Matt will call you on the phone and spend an afternoon going through and addressing the root cause. Of course, there will be a bill afterwards, I guess. <laughs> Again, Matt takes payment in bourbon. And, and uh, the victim um, maybe... did hook you up with a good bottle of hooch, right? Yeah, yeah. Sent me a nice bottle of Woodford Reserve bourbon. So, yes, I was very appreciative. I, 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 because this was someone that was known to Ben, I did not uh, even get into uh, payments or invoicing. I just did it out of, uh, out of kindness and, and love for Ben and Robin. And so uh, didn't didn't discuss it. And then it was a nice surprise when, yeah, I had the delivery person show up at my door, which is a whole other security thing because I didn't give this person my mailing address. <laughs> I did. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, <laughs> apparently Ben will I, give I, out I my I used my address. relay. I used <laughs> yeah. my relay. If you ask Ben nicely, he'll give out where I live. So. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, absolutely. <so> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe just to clarify where the, the kids probably got the information from, uh, they probably asked ChatGPT. You know, ChatGPT oh, has uh, yes, read all yeah. the, the books from the 90s. So maybe yep, when they asked true. how to hack an email account and stuff like that, they just assumed back in the day everybody was using AOL, everybody was using GoDaddy. Um, nowadays, of course. That's true. <laughs> That's fantastic. I about that, how you can so, use ChatGPT to basically help you in a in a malicious campaign. But yeah, that's to, true. Te to teach you how to do the heist. Yeah, right. you know? <laughs> it, It's gonna it's gonna tell you what the Ocean's Eleven crew did, but mm -hmm. you know, it, uh, okay. So it's not a lot of innovation. It's just uh, old school uh, large language models. I, I like that, Rafi. Um, Ha, ha, have you talked with the victim again at all since then and uh, heard no. any follow-up? Okay. No, I, I have not. Um, and I'm assuming usually in these cases, no news is good news. Yeah. Um, the, the victim did tell me the following day that you were magical and it was perfect and, and oh, well, absolutely good. wonderful. That's yeah. great. How did you repair the reputation of the domain? So that has to or be by, by GoDaddy. So, you know, they, oh, so, free of charge? Um, yeah, it's a part of their tech tech support, but yeah. So, but basically, once we we stuck a stopper uh, or a cork in the uh, the spam, then he was able to contact GoDaddy Tech Support, remove all the uh, spam restrictions, and 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 get back to 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 good. So, uh, his domain never actually got on any blacklist. It was all done okay. internally at Microsoft and and at GoDaddy. So that made it really easy to to get him de blacklisted in, in essence. Um, now back to the main, uh, the the other as aspect of it, which is what we talked about last week, was which was you know should he move his email tenant? We we didn't get into that because I, I was mostly focused on fixing the 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 problem that was in front of me. Um, the thing that I didn't talk to you about, Ben, Ben and I did talk on the phone a couple of times about this situation, um, is that GoDaddy when GoDaddy hosts, hosts your Office three sixty five account, 
um, moving your email to another standalone Office 365 account, GoData makes it really difficult. And so I didn't want to get into that because I, both Joey and I have done this before with other clients where they have started out small and they use the GoDaddy Office 365 and then they wanted their own standalone. And it takes usually multiple calls to tech support and about a week to actually get it moved off. It is a pain in the butt to do. GoDaddy makes it as difficult as possible. It can be done, <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's not fun at all. So and, that's and why that's, I didn't get into that. And that's the real true, I mean, uh, yes, the, the relay is the root cause of this issue, but the real root cause is GoDaddy sucks. Yeah, yeah. For many reasons, not just their own administrative faults, but because they use the opportunity to try to upsell based on the ignorance of the clientele. Um, yeah. that is so sad to hear. And, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really disappointed. So, yeah. I, I'm disappointed yeah. in our industry, you know? <laughs> yeah. So all I'd say, we, we, we can still, uh, work on that. Um, the, the, the victim needs to understand that that's, that's not a, a quick afternoon project though, to move them off of that. Cause, um, when we had talked about it last week, I don't think that I had realized, well, I definitely didn't realize that he was, he was on a GoDaddy Office 365 tenant, but yeah, that throws a big monkey wrench into moving off to another standalone Office 365. All so, right. And, well, and, and that's something we may not need to do. The victim can continue using the low threshold GoDaddy uh, resold uh, uh, Office 365 account in indefinitely i mean you know the the, the victim's needs aren't going to change anytime soon he's yeah. not going to need uh, any other capabilities as much as i hate giving more money to GoDaddy, uh, i don't want to make any more difficulty for the victim right right so, because, yeah that's what you always kind of balance it with yeah but when i when i get this correct like what you said is you like you put the cork on that one ip address like if they for whatever reason get and it turned can, off the relay capability yeah you turned off the relay capability. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, yeah, so okay. So, I yeah, yeah. It was basically okay. like a two layer uh, stoppage of the, okay. the spammy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Now, okay. now here's the irony. This morning, I got a scam. I got a scam spam email from what I'm guessing are the waffle eaters <laughs> based on the victim's account. Uh huh. And, um, it has zero sophistication. It doesn't even pretend to be from the victim's account. It's just the content of the subject line and uh, the content of the message itself purports to be associated with the victim. Yeah. Um, this took a little more crafting in terms of the message itself um, because it does look like it would be something associated with the victim's business. However, in terms of it appearing like anything reasonable, I, again, the, the, the sender's email address is garbage. I mean, it's just, yeah. it, it might as well say spam at spam.com. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I just find it interesting now. It seems like the waffle eaters realize that their relay is closed. Now they're falling back on mm -hmm. another form of uh, hijacking the victim's reputation. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, what is like? What from the two of you? What would be your recommendation to our listeners? Like, what? What should I mean? Except not using GoDaddy. Like, what would you do? Ooh. Well, I think that the big thing is if you 
if you have an Office 365 tenant, not through GoDaddy, just a, a straight up Office 365 tenant, my, like, like I've said several times, Microsoft has a whole suite of tools available to you for security, uh, not least of which being very, very advanced spam and, and phishing filters and um, stuff like that, all the message tracing tools and, and things. Uh, the things I mentioned earlier, SPF records, DKIM records, DMARC records, all those types of things, they turn all those on by default. Um, but in general, uh, um, yeah, I mean, the, the victim in this case could have could have done nothing else um, because it was just the nature of the the host of the email. It was on, it was incumbent on them to have to have done more and not on him. So but you're talking now about like the two different parts. Would you? I assume, or at least how you talked about it, it was a custom domain. Mm -hmm. um, would you two recommend going together, like your domain and your email provider? Would you have them together? Because I usually split those because yeah. then I can switch email providers. I've switched email providers multiple times with my like same domain. Yeah, yeah. Of course, I have to update all the records and everything, but mm -hmm. like, yeah, it's a process to move your domain to a different different host. But but yeah, it's that's I, I think that's very normal to have web hosting, email hosting, DNS hosting. Uh, domain registrar all be separate entities so that you can move those things or things around as, uh, as as suits you and your your situation best. But but I think you know we all have <laughs> me lesser of the three of us. We have a modicum of IT knowledge, so at least we understand that that those things don't need to be bundled. Mm -hmm. By and large, the vast majority of small business owners don't even grasp that. Yeah, they, they don't care. And they don't care, and it's not anything that they ever going to consider. When they go out to buy a domain name and the registrar offers them uh, web hosting and offers them email capability, you know, they're just going to keep, keep clicking yes, 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 because these are like $2, $5, $10 add-ons. These right. are not major capital investments. But as Rafti is pointing out, when you do bundle those things, now you're putting all your eggs in one basket. And trying to extricate any single one of them from that basket is going to be difficult. So I think, Rafti, where you're getting, and, and I understand this, the recommendation for small, medium-sized business owners who do not have any IT knowledge might be to parse those things into different providers, therefore not becoming reliant on any given one and eliminating single points of failure. Is, is that where you're yeah, going, Rafti? And get some help for that, of course. Like, but this is not ongoing costs. Usually, I'd say, as you're saying, like those are all upsells, and because they bundle it all together, it's more expensive. I mean, for GoDaddy, sixty dollars per month. I, I'm baffled by this. It's, you know, it's, well, that, um, now that that's above and beyond. I mean, again, I think yeah. for just the email hosting, I think it's like five bucks a month or yeah, something it's, like that. It's it's very reasonable. Yeah. It's the, it sure. was that security bullshit that they were trying to gouge on that was the $60 a month. Um, uh, you, I, and I'm not sure what the victim's paying for the web hosting and the domain name. Call it 100 bucks a month. It's still a reasonable price for a smaller, medium-sized business. Um, uh, yeah, parsing those things out, the more difficult, the, the real expense would be making sure that payments are going to three different entities, you know, maintaining knowledge of three different entities, having yeah. access credentials to three different entities. It's all the you housekeeping. Know, 
Exactly. Exactly. It's the administrative overhead. Yep. <laughs> yeah. That's why my first recommendation for everybody is use a password manager. Then you have the housekeeping take taken care of sort of, and you can do tags with them and organize it in there. And this is how I like my stuff organized. What do you mean? Post-it notes aren't good enough for you? You, can, you don't just write down 15 post-it notes worth of passwords and, and pe no. pe paste them around your monitor? <laughs> I, I recently had to type in my 100-character Amazon password into a Kindle oh. by hand. <laughs> I, I was able to do it on the first try, but wow. it's, oh it's 100 characters mixed um, with Gosh, symbols that and everything. sounds like fun. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, 2FA. Afterwards, of course, as well. Oh, you know? but, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I it's just, just, uh, I mean, for everybody, I use, uh, I like, um, like, I would not be able to do what I do. Use different email addresses for each service. Use different passwords for each service, and multiple different two FA stuff. I would not be able to keep track of all of this um, in my Most head. Most people don't need that level of security. I mean, honestly, I agree, know, but it's easy yeah. with a password manager. It's so easy. <laughs> until you're typing a hundred character credential into a Kindle. But how often do you do that? Okay. <laughs> All right. So, um, Matt, any, any last words on this particular uh, situation? And I can't thank you enough. You, no. you bought a lot of goodwill in our house. I'll tell you that. Well, good, good. I'm glad. Uh, no, I, I, it, it was an unusual situation. And, and as I told you, Ben, on the phone, when I was, I was kind of just, uh, thinking out loud, because when I was after I, my initial call with the victim, I was trying to figure out what what, what the heck was actually going on um, and going through every scenario of, OK, did this person's, you know, like we said, did this person's PC get broken into? Did, did, you know, is this password compromised? And everything kept coming back. No, no, no. It can't be this. Can't be that. Can't be that. Did someone break into the house. I mean, you yeah, know, did right. they have physical access? You know, it, it was getting crazy, right? In yeah, our hypotheticals. Yeah. yeah. And and Ben even said at one point, he said, hey, look, if this is too much for you, if you, you know, I know you're busy. You've got other stuff to do. Don't worry about this. We'll, we'll handle this with somebody else. And I said, no, this is actually good and it's intriguing because I, I when i'm faced with something that's new and novel and unusual it's best practice for me to figure out what the heck it was because if i see it once that's probably not going to be the last time i see it so it, I, I need to figure out what this was in case this happens again with another client of mine somewhere else that has something random and weird and unusual happening and um, the nice part is this is like training wheels because <laughs> You don't have a contract with this victim. You aren't required to ensure that this victim has uptime. Right. You could screw this one up and it doesn't cost you anything. Right, right. This That's, was yeah, it's, much it's more low stakes. Route. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah. I did follow it through and I'm glad that it, it, it reached its uh, uh, happy conclusion and, and I was able to, to learn some stuff. Uh, or in this case, relearn some things that I'd forgotten about <laughs> because they're techniques that hadn't been used in so long. When you're napping Flint, do it away from yourself. <laughs> Keep the shards out of your eyes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, very good. Thank you again for that. Outstanding. Um, current events. Rafi, you had a current event you wanted to bring up this week. <laughs> it's not very current. It's it's happening for over a year now. But apparently, I learned about this a month ago, and I wanted to try it myself a couple of times before I, I told everybody on the show. I wanted to see if it's legit. But apparently, a university in Bavaria, the Friedrich Alexander Universität, um, the third largest Easy in Bavaria. For you to say. 
Yeah, I know. <laughs> so Friedrich Alexander University, I think it what would you would pronounce it. Um, FAU, they're doing an uh, research um, for over a year now about fingerprinting browser fingerprinting and you register with your, with an email address of course i don't use my main one i use an and relate one <laughs> <laughs> um which which i don't care about um but uh, they send you a link and you click that unique link every week and they tell you if they've seen because they know who you are of course but it is a different link so they check the browser fingerprint again um, and with different methods with JavaScript on and off, and it takes a couple of seconds actually bef uh, with the script running through. Um, and they tell you um, if they saw the fingerprint, if it's unique, and if it's trackable over time. And uh, the the results are public. You can look at them. Uh, I can send uh, Ben the link. Maybe he puts it in the show notes. But um, we talked about the DuckDuckGo browser in the past, and I used to use, or I am using the Firefox browser for the longest time, and I'm fingerprintable. Like, I'm uniquely fingerprintable over time. And I did not thought that. I uh, thought that the, this is... Um, On purpose? I, I thought or... that was protected. No. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not, I'm not understanding when you say you sign up for it. So you're not volunteering. Saying, you're not volunteering. I volunteered. I volunteered and I, because I was not like, if you're doing all those fingerprinting protections, you're doing anti JavaScript stuff. And I do all of this. I delete all cookies when I close my browser. Most people, so I have to sign in into everything. Every time I log in, I use the Firefox compartmentalization where every tab is getting its own compartment and stuff. Yeah. So that it does not carry over even within one session, the cookies from one to the next tab and stuff like that. And I thought, that logging in every time, that not having JavaScript enabled, not having whatever, that this protects me, that this secures me from fingerprinting. And it does so what this So what this study is doing is seeing what sort of other indicators can be used to track your yeah. browser, such as your behavior or the types of activity that you engage in? Is that what Most, you're saying? No, 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 mostly, no. Those scripts are doing stuff like um, rendering a certain picture or something in JavaScript and the way how your browser is rendering it. It's not your behavior. It's different stuff besides cookies. It's screen resolution. It's what time you have set and stuff like that. Each browser, because it's running on your hardware, interprets the same thing slightly differently. And there Holy are mitigation tactics for this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this that is fingerprinting. Is that is fucking wild. So like I changed my font size, I changed my screen resolution. Those things become indicative of who I am. And font size changed is a change you actually made, but if you have like if you browse different websites, some of the the fonts you have are cached. And so the types of fonts you have cached makes a difference and is unique to you and stuff like that. So it's it's multiple things and they tell you and it's a long thing. So it, I found it very interesting and I thought I was protected. Um, maybe one one additional thing, maybe you know this, Tor browser does this, it uses letterboxes so that every Tor browser has the same aspect ratio at least and stuff mm -hmm. like that. So that the screen size is always the same for each Tor browser, but Firefox doesn't do that stuff and so on. And apparently my Brave browsers, all of them are fine, but my Firefox browsers are trackable over time because I opened the same link in different browsers and it tells you and it gives you a list. And apparently it changes every, like they tell you, um, apparently those people who are trackable over time 
have a duration of um, a mean of 45 days. I don't know what this means, if it's then people being aware of it and changing stuff or whatever, but you can look into the, the statistics of the study already. As I said, um, I think some of the participants have been with them for over 400 days um, and the mean is way above a month. And I, uh, I currently they have um, 4,092 active like participants and one and a half thousand is apparently active and stuff like that. So, so what you're saying is that within 45 days, that fingerprint will be established. Is that is that what you're saying? That within 45 days, now they know who you are or who your browser is? Mm, that's the fingerprint stability how long the fingerprint is stable it's an yeah. average of 45.3 days and the median is uh, 21.9 and the lower quarter is 7.9 so we're a little bit what over is what does stability indicate though i don't know so they mean. would be able to track you for 45 days essentially yes. oh just based on that fingerprint Okay, that's the mean. That's that's the average. Yeah. That's the average <laughs> of those. Um, overall, taken now two hundred sixty-five thousand four hundred twenty-seven um, measurements that they already have taken uh, from four thousand uh, about four thousand participants. Just, just so. a reminder to our three listeners: um, privacy is dead. That ship has sailed. <laughs> no, nothing you do can isolate you from the world even if you wanted to. So just bear that <laughs> but, in mind. No, but what I like is that um, I now I am now thinking of switching fully to Brave because Brave, I, and I have not looked at the DuckDuck browser yet. I'm, I'm sorry, Matt, but <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I don't know if you're, if you're safe, but I'm switching away from Firefox now. And I have been using Firefox for the longest time because I don't want everything to be Chromium engine because that's the Google controlled engine. And I assumed that that is the less um, privacy respecting engine, but apparently Brave is doing a good job getting rid of all the identifiable stuff in there. Um, and Firefox with the Gecko engine just can't keep up with with modern um, fingerprinting methods, apparently. Hmm. Uh, I've, been, I've been using Brave for a while now. Um, I think it might've been Joey who suggested it, um, uh, one of our other uh, panelists uh, infrequently. Um, uh, I, I do like it. There's a couple of things that are a bit frustrating. The, when you open up a brand new tab, it doesn't like to go to the home screen rather quickly. There's always a uh, about a two-second delay. These are minimal uh, in terms of other complaints I've had with other browsers. The ad block capability is fantastic that's built into it. Sometimes it is too good, and I have to turn it off for certain sites where I want to use functionality. But, yeah, I, I would recommend it for those who who want a good, consistent browser that um, uh, gets rid of some of the junk you don't want. Yeah. Yeah. And you can, everybody can sign up. I used Apple Relay for the email stuff so that they don't have my actual email address. Of course, Apple now knows that I'm participating in that study, but um, yeah, Apple knows too much about me anyway. So um, <laughs> just a recommendation, or you can use some other junk email, which you will uh, which you can put a forward um, in there. Use a free Proton Mail, for instance, or stuff like that. Uh, and it's available in English as well. So it's German and English. And the majority of the participants, and this, as I said, the statistics are free. You can look at them. And uh, uh, the majority is German speaking. Of course, it's a Bavarian university. So they offer it in either Flemish or Walloon. <laughs> the heck is Walloon? No <laughs> what? Uh, <laughs> 
okay so th- uh, thank you Rafi. that's awesome <laughs> stuff I'm, uh, very very good and yes let's let's put a link in there um uh for our users to give me that now i'll close it in the show notes um another quick current event last week no don't don't put it in chat Rafi. email it to me otherwise i'll never or put it in discord um thank you uh uh america last week either got a whole bunch more secure or a whole bunch less secure uh federal judge in fort worth texas made a decision finding that any prohibitions on american citizens under the age of 21 but still of the age of majority to purchase handguns is unconstitutional meaning 18 to 21 year olds now should have the right to purchase handguns for rafti i need to break this down for you <laughs> in america guns are wonderful <laughs> but but oh. some some jurisdictions some states have decided that if you're under the age of 21 but over the age of 18 you should not be allowed to purchase a handgun on your own magically by having your 21st birthday you suddenly become responsible enough to have a handgun you can drink um, you can shoot you can <laughs> but you still can't see, and, and here and here's my issue with it here's my thing I, as a rabid gun lover i want everyone to be given a gun at birth in the crib you should have your own gun shouldn't be loaded but okay um <laughs> On the other hand, as a realistic, grumpy, middle-aged man, I don't think 18-year-olds are nearly trustworthy enough to handle firearms. <laughs> but here's the rub, and this is what, what Matt was alluding to. We've got this pastiche, this really weird jigsaw puzzle of laws across the country of what young citizens of the age of majority can or cannot do. First of all, everyone can vote at age of 18, right? That's that's a mm-hmm. thing. Uh, in almost all jurisdictions that I'm aware of, you have to be 21 to purchase alcohol. Yep. Now, I think there were exceptions. I don't know how many of them have changed. It's been a long time since I cared because it's been a long time since I was 19. Um, there were some exceptions for a while. For instance, military personnel on a military base who are under the age of 21 could be allowed to purchase alcohol if the base commander allowed it. Mm. Um, so that was one exception. In some jurisdictions, you need to be 21 to purchase tobacco products or nicotine products. Uh, and again, that varies state by state. In some states, you can be 16 and hold a job as long as you have the permission of your parents. In most states, you have to be 25 to rent a car, and that's not a law. That is uh, the rental car company's policies. However, however, it is discriminatory based on age, which is unconstitutional, and yet the states allow it. Um, and and so there, these are weird restrictions. Um, up until age 26, I think, Matt, you correct me on this, uh, young people can stay on their parents' insurance, health insurance um, if the parents want them to. Is it 26? I thought it was like 23. Because I, th- I got a 23-year-old. I'm ready to kick off. <laughs> You're just waiting for that moment. Sorry, kid. I wish I could. 
<laughs> I think it's 26, it's 26 if they're enrolled in, okay. enrolled in college. If they're I, a student, I, yeah. I, I don't honestly know because, again, I don't give a shit. It's not my the, – the thing that concerns me, the thing that bugs me – oh, and by the way, you can be, I think – 16 or 17 and join the military with your parents' permission. You could be, yeah. I think you can be 14 and get married in Ohio with your parents' permission. Um, uh, age of consent for sexual relations differ from state to state. Yeah. Go ahead, Rafti. But if they got married, is it the same in the states as it is in Austria? If they get married with the parents' consent, they're legally like, um now adults like they're yes, now... become emancipated at that point yes because okay marriage good. seems to confirm maturity upon a person as we all know how well that fucking works right yeah yeah okay <laughs> yeah. so it's the same no and i wanted to say all those numbers are very similar in austria so okay, okay. like with an eight hour like time difference and everything half across the globe and I, I mean of course it's western countries but i'd say it's still like uh, i mean for us it's the other way around we are allowed to to drink with the age of 16 and to drive with the age of, of 18 not not drinking with 21 um but those are cultural differences but the time gaps are very similar and the 25 year old thing at least in austria it's an it's an insurance thing where your insurance yeah. um is decreased after the age of 25 because yeah. apparently there is a lot of statistics out there that show that um people under 25 drive more recklessly yeah, and we and we have similar gates like that for our insurers as well. I think it's 21, 25, 30. And and it does depend on gender too. Um, <laughs> yeah. Males are much of more car. expensive. Yeah. Yes. And yes. type of car. If you if you drive a fast car, you pay more. <laughs> if if you are 18 male <laughs> and driving a fast car, yes. It doesn't doesn't matter how expensive your car is, you're gonna be paying Six hundred dollars a month to insure. <laughs> I, I have I've had insurance bills that are more than the car uh, yeah. payment. Yeah. yeah. Yep. <laughs> when I was a younger person, and and yeah, um, the father of two boys. Yes, I can tell you. <laughs> so so here's my take on it from uh, a security perspective, um, and an availability perspective. Uh, guns are great, and we've had episodes of talking about guns and and how they provide security. Uh, however, I do understand that a proliferation of handguns among stupid young people is probably not a way to encourage security for the common wheel. So I do understand wanting to have some limitations on that. However, as a principled citizen, um, I can't understand the disparity of different rights and privileges. Either you're mature enough to choose your legislators who are going to rule the country, or you're not. If you're mature enough to make that decision, you should be mature enough to drink, drive, have a job, have sex, own a handgun, smoke a cigarette, whatever the hell you want. If we want to make that age 37, I'm cool with that. I'm totally cool with that. I have zero problem with that because I think young people are getting dumber and dumber as we extend lifespan and we are retarding maturity. I think I think we can make the age greater than whatever we you know whatever it was a hundred years ago. You know, a hundred years ago, your lifespan was thirty-two years old because you were going to be fighting in the trenches over there in in the waffle eater country, right? <laughs> Um, so I don't like seeing this patchwork of different ages for different things. 
However, if we are going to allow 18-year-olds to vote and join the military and have a car and be emancipated adults, they should be able to own handguns, as, as frightening as that seems to the rest of us. And, and you don't think that um, allowing them to drive, um, shoot, and drink all at the same time can cause some issues? I don't know. I, I mean, I like that this is staggered. Hey, if they like could do that and keep the cigarette lit, I'm, 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 I'm impressed with that. <laughs> you know, it, 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 and, I'll, and I'll, I'll go a little bit further on that. Uh, the judge gave every opportunity to the state to rationalize and give its um, reasons for why those restrictions should be in place. Give us um, either data that supports how that uh, actually creates a safer environment or give us historical restrictions and analogs for rules like that that have existed in this country before and have been accepted by the courts. The state failed on all counts to support their arguments. Um, and the judge has bent over backwards to give them another crack at it. The judge has put a stay on his own decision, saying this does not need to be enforced until um, the state can come back with its appeal and make its uh, counter argument and say, um, here's why this should be. So even though the laws have been voided and found unconstitutional, that decision revoking those laws will not be enacted for some time. Uh, so 18 year olds can't run out to their gun stores today and buy a gun in those jurisdictions. Um, now, the other really creepy thing is that the states in trying to circumvent constitutional protections for 18 year olds recognize that they could not say that 18 year olds or 19 year olds or 20 year olds couldn't have guns. The law is only against buying guns. Right. So it's crap. not the same thing. Yeah. It, which is the crappiest fucking law. I mean, that that is such a skanky, unprincipled way of trying to get around your constitutional rights. Um, uh, and again, I, I think, you know, the fact that I can buy a gun and give it to an 18 year old tells you everything you need to know about how, what real safety was being accomplished. To me, <laughs> this was another fig leaf to gun control advocates who may or may not have good arguments uh, as a as a sop. This was security theater. This wasn't really addressing the problem if the problem exists. This was a political law, and it uh, therefore it should not have existed in the first place. Um, so hopefully we'll see how that turns out. Quick question: Was, was this a state level judge, or was this a federal federal judge, judge federal in judge. Texas? So I'm okay. not sure which circuit they're in, but but okay. it was a federal judge in Texas. Um, okay. And I'm not sure which law they were hearing, because I, I don't know if Texas has a, a law for under 21 year olds to buy handguns. That would seem very un-Texan to me. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I was going to say, you know, Texas and a lot of those types of states have um, very, very liberal laws regarding gun control with regards to hunting, uh, because hunting is a real way of life, especially here in the South where I live. Ben, you live there and Texas is a big hunting state. Um, and the arguments have been made over and over again, not to belabor this point and turn it into a, a second amendment thing, but, uh, certain types of guns that are obviously clearly not meant for hunting are being argued as being used for hunting. <laughs> but, well, uh, and, and one of the other, one of the other neat things about Southern states and their, their liberalized gun possession and, and gun ownership laws, 
they understand the gun safety as well. Uh, I've lived in northern states where you could get a hunting license just because you wanted a hunting license. Um, here uh, in the south, by and large, you have to go to a gun safety class before you're issued a hunting license. I, I don't know is if it's the same in Kentucky, it, at least in Louisiana. Okay. Uh, and, and I've lived in Texas and that was the same thing. Really? Okay. Yeah. I've, I've, I've never had a hunting license. I've never been a hunter. <laughs> so. me, me neither. Me neither. But I just understand that that yeah. is, that is the same with concealed carry. You yeah. have to go to a, a class before you're given a concealed carry license. Yeah. Um, Which is a discussion right there. Yeah. <laughs> if you're interested in Austria, of course, takes it's, it's a multi-month course and costs a lot of money. And they are allowed to deny you based on your demeanor. So you need to learn the hunting language. And it's a very, like, it's the Weidmannssprache. So it's, uh, it's a very old language. For instance, when the when you talk about that you shot an animal, it's not bleeding, it's sweating, you know, and stuff like that. So you need to learn that language and stuff like that. It's sweating? Brother, is that what you said? Sweating? sweating? Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's, it's like sweat. Yeah. So it is like um, it's not bleeding, it's not sweating. And my brother actually today got himself a new rifle. It's a it's a combined rifle rifle because he's now in a and we have like or like different areas where we're allowed to then hunt. And so he, he joined a new area where he's now, uh, where they have a lot of like birds stuff and small animals. So he got a combined rifle. Interesting. Interesting. Just All right. Today. All right. Just today. But he's 20, Great. 29. So, uh, <laughs> so. <laughs> not, yet. Yeah, not okay. 37 yet. Apparently yeah. what you would steam an appropriate age to <laughs> drink that <laughs> and <laughs> buy guns and tobacco. Yeah. But well, uh, uh, good luck to your brother. I, again, I've never I've never seen the joy in hunting myself, um, but I, I understand there are people who are interested in it. Just as a quick aside on that, uh, this does lead to some very weird situations. I knew a person in Texas who liked to go boar hunting with a knife, which is evidently a thing. Oh, that sounds super dangerous. It sounds yes. stupid to me, but, you know. <laughs> stupider to me than normal hunting but um wow he still he still had to go to the gun class to get the hunting license with the knife and just, just because that's the I way mean, laws work laws become one size fits all yeah what size caliber and, and i understand knife? taking a knife with you when you go boar hunting but i would also carry a, a gun and at least something <laughs> bigger a rifle as well i carry a flamethrower but that's just me i mean these and these boys is not a pig this is, yeah. I mean, these boar are huge. Yeah. Yes. Um, Texas. Uh, Everything is him in Texas, by, isn't yeah, it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they outweighed him by quite a bit. Yeah. And uh, yeah. yeah, it's it's a crazy pastime for crazy people. Uh, <laughs> uh, all right. All right. Well, um, that that was quite an episode. Again, Matt, I, ne I need to thank you for that tech support. Uh, oh, sure. Outstanding. Yeah. Uh, great topic, great knowledge, and great service. Um, Rafti, thank you for your current event as well. Any any saving updates, Rafti? Oh, we have uh, updated the UI quite a bit. So if you haven't tried Portmaster in a while, I recently saw a blog post where somebody was like, it is now all the features which they liked are in there. So um, we should update the website as well to, to portray this. But um, give it a try. It's free. And um, yeah, saving.io. Thank you. Frisk. Outstanding. Outstanding. <laughs> Good to hear it. Good to hear it. Even though it looks different, still got all the functionality and more if you haven't been on in a while, right? Yeah. 
Absolutely. Good. Um, all right. Well, uh, again, just want to remind everybody, Wanna Practice, the app is available in the Play Store. Should be coming to the Apple Store soon, but that's a that's a tougher hurdle to jump. Uh, we'll get there, I promise. Uh, until next time, I'm Ben Maliso. And I'm Matt Snotty. And I'm Raphael Fiedler. Join us again next week for another episode of The Sensuous Sounds of InfoSec. Hey there, listener. Matt here. If you like listening to Ben, Robin, Rofty, Joey, or myself, please consider supporting us at buymeacoffee.com slash securitized. Interested in training for CISSP, CCSP, CISM, SSCP, CCSK, boy, that's a lot of letters, or other InfoSec certifications, Go to Ben's website for all his training programs at wannabeacissp.com. That's spelled W-A-N-N-A-B-E-A-C-I-S-S-P.com. We are on Discord. Engage with us by searching for the channel wannabeacissp. Feedback or questions on what we discuss? Send a good old-fashioned email to ben at benmaliso.com. You may hear a shout-out or your feedback on a future show. We're all working professionals in the InfoSec industry, so feel free to link up with us on LinkedIn. Support Rofty's company and test drive their free firewall software called Portmaster, downloadable at their website, safing.io, spelled S-A-F-I-N-G dot I-O. Support Joey's company, Blue Edge Networks, at blueedgenetworks.com. And listen to Joey's podcast called Topic of Choice at topicofchoice.com. Join us on Reddit at slash r slash ssoi underscore fans. All opinions expressed in this podcast are personal and for entertainment purposes only. They do not necessarily reflect the opinions of our companies, affiliates, employers, guests, or even each other. No advice given here should be followed without consulting with a professional for any specific InfoSec situation you may experience.